Hello, and welcome to The Neighbor Next Door, a podcast about the power and importance of neighboring. I'm your host, Matthew Johnson, and I am joined, uh, this time in my office, oddly enough, by my colleague and neighboring, That's Adam right. Violet Thompson. It's our front porch office style. So <laughs> I don't know what that means, but yeah, yeah anyway. Well, it's what, it's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, we're here, and uh, you know what month it is, right, Matt? I do. I mean, it's June... Right. Specifically. Specifically. It's Pride Month. It's Pride Month. Yeah. That's right. It is Pride Month, and we have for you today a Pride episode. And, uh, you know, we know that neighboring is something we push everywhere. And also um, that Matt and I have a pretty, like, hetero white male understanding of what neighboring <laughs> is. And so we, it's good to, you know, invite some other voices on to share their perspectives and neighboring True. is different when you're, when you're queer. Yeah. And so we have um, some guests today that are going to share. So I, the way this episode is going to work, I interviewed three guests. Matt's not heard their interviews yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to play some of the clips from those interviews and have some conversation about those. And then we'll end the episode with some advice from these folks about if you are, you know, someone who is in a minority or has, you know, uh, in the LGBTQ community, like what what neighboring could look like for you. So that's kind of what we're planning for today. Cool. I'm excited. I'm really looking forward to hearing these clips. I know. They're very impressive. Yeah. So they were, they were really hard to edit, actually, um, <laughs> and get down to a reasonable size. So the first one's from Luke Miltz. And um, Luke is in the Kansas City suburb area. Uh, he lived in this neighborhood for like three years. He lived in for two and a half years. He was a renter. And then he bought the house across the street from him. Um, and the previous owner of this home was what I, this is my words, not his, like really aggressively conservative. Like, Hmm. I mean, you can kind of imagine what that is, right? Like, yeah. So you knew, you 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 knew knew right away. He had this four foot banner outside his home that he would change and it would be like Trump 2020 make liberals cry again. Luke couldn't remember exactly, but there was one that was like, if you step on my lawn, I will shoot you. Like, mm, mm. really welcoming yeah, type things. Uh... And Luke buys this house, and then, the, well, I'll just let him tell you. So then so then their experience of this house uh, becomes a little different than, than that. So we'll, let's yeah. listen to Luke sharing his experience um, of neighboring. first glance kind of walking around I consider myself to be pretty hyper aware of the potential for like personal harm (laughs) uh, as like living as an openly gay person so I noticed some book titles that were um, a little uh, maybe a little uncomfortable and a couple flags you mean like in the home like when you were touring the home yes just some other really sort of edgy uh, decorations and, and things like that. And um, there was a, a Blue Lives Matter flag hanging. We ended up purchasing 
in our final walkthrough, we opened the garage and there was a big Confederate flag. Um, very decidedly racist. <laughs> so it just made me kind of uncomfortable. We were ready to kind of give the house a new life. Um, we immediately ordered a pride flag and put it up. And I've not previously been uh, super comfortable with embracing the the rainbow on the exterior. So like in conversation, I'm very authentic um, and at work and everything, but as far as like wearing or waving or whatever, the rainbow, not a whole lot of experience there, but I decided it was time. So we ordered it and put it up. I was a little concerned that it might make us a target for something um, sinister. Um, again, just kind of remaining hyper aware of what will keep me safe. Mm -hmm. And um, we decided to go ahead and put it up. And we're overwhelmed, honestly, with positive, positive reaction. So probably to date, more than 20 separate neighbor groups or Whoa. neighbors or families have walked by, driven by, left notes, left gifts. Um, thanks for moving here. We're so glad to have you. Welcome to our little neighborhood. Thanks for bringing love to the neighborhood. Now, just Even to be things clear, like this yeah. is the neighborhood you've lived in for a long time. Yeah. And it's and very, it did not seem, it, it just, it feels very moderate. I, I didn't get like an overly gay friendly vibe. <laughs> I didn't get an anti-gay vibe either, but yeah. Um, yeah, I had lived there for two and a half years and then all of a sudden just out of the blue, a million people coming up and complimenting our pride flag. Um, but it hasn't, the thing is that I've been like, it just goes a lot of different ways, right? So this is kind of, it hasn't been a hundred percent positive. So it actually was a hundred percent positive for about three, four months. Um, we have a neighbor who now is putting, um, bags of dog poop in our yard. <laughs> um, like the ones and the, they, they come from the park. So the park has the stand with oh, the right. yeah. baggy dispenser. Um, and we use them like at the park. <laughs> and then, so we know that they live around us and they are, there's two or three dog poop baggies, um, probably two, three times a week. And then um, on Memorial Day, we actually woke up to a dead rabbit in a Walmart sack, <laughs> which is <laughs> decidedly adjacent to a hate crime. So that's yeah. not feeling well. I don't know how this fits in with the overall no, message I of mean, the podcast. That's exactly <laughs> what we want. Is just being be, authentic. Yeah, but like we want the authentic experience because we want to like acknowledge that neighboring is not always easy. fuck it's not god damn it people i think that's the first time that matt has said the f word on the podcast <laughs> i mean people know i have a yeah. drop one every once in a while but. yeah yeah i mean it's just so heartbreaking like you know i made note of his comment of like being uh like aware of potential possible harm mm -hmm. and like just intentionality and then and then, like, I kind of got lulled in with, like, oh, yeah, people are really it's excited. So great. It's so great. Yeah. And then it's like, well, yeah, it's not 100%. Right. And then it's like, 
Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the word. It, just, it so. just tears at you in in a kind of visceral way. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the the thing that Luke's I, I, Luke was the first one I interviewed, and he like set the tone for what all three of these interviews have of like the more vulnerable and open you can be often the safer you are, the more trust is built. Mm. And there's always this counterweight of safety. Mm -hmm. And it is a real concern that, that gay people have to take into account in a way that we don't. Yeah. And, and that's, that's just the way it is. And so like, you know, even listening to this clip, like when I moved into my neighborhood, I never had to think about, should I put up a public invisible sign about who I like to sleep with? Right. Like that's crazy for me to even consider, Mm -hmm. but for gay people, they have to like constantly consider that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so then the second part of this clip from Luke really blew my mind. Okay. (laughs) Because, because I was like, well, if I, that was me and somebody put a dead rabbit on my front porch, Mm -hmm. like, well, screw my neighbors. I'm out. Right. right. I'm not engaging anymore. So I asked Luke, like, what, what do you think? Like, what, how did that change your perspective? It's interesting because it has also led me to reflect on how we keep conversations going with people that we disagree with. So it's all, well, it it feels wonderful to be so welcomed when, especially Mm -hmm. when we tend to by default, or I at least lean toward the default that I'm going to be unwelcome. That way, when I am welcome, it's like a nice surprise. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And I'm like prepared for being rejected in a way. So it was nice to be super welcomed, but to the extent that it becomes, we're so glad to be rid of him. He was the worst. He didn't belong here. He needed to move away. Like that's also bad to say, (laughs) you know, that's also not being a good neighbor. And so he's moved to Lewisburg, Kansas, for example. And they're like, that's probably a way better place for him. But what a, what a Mm. sad thing to say the conversation has stopped with him, right? Right. Maybe, it, maybe it'll continue in some way in Lewisburg, I'm sure. But right, our our supposedly super woke and morally sound neighborhood uh, has a resounding opinion that he didn't belong there, which is not really what I would like to see. Ideally, um, yeah, he probably would have done. It probably would have been a good learning experience for him to have met the interracial gay couple that bought his house. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Like, Luke's a better person than we are. (laughs) I mean, he's naming what I believe. (laughs) Right. But I don't know if I am skilled i don't know if i have the capacity to embody it and because of our privilege we don't have to in the same way that he does right and like that's what kills me is like like luke still sees this person through the lens of abundance Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that is like really hard work to do 
Yeah. Um, and, and, and often people with a lot of privilege don't ever even, they're never even asked to do that work. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and Luke is doing a great job of it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And this, I mean, I think what I would wager to say is that Luke is living from a place of such deep authenticity that he can transcend the anger that is aimed at him. Yeah. And because of that, he can see the aggressive conservative, not as an aggressive conservative, but as a person right. who needs to be at the table. Yeah. Like, I think that is the, the message of inclusion for me that has been circling lately is just our communities are so weak right now because mm -hmm. we are masters of exclusion. <laughs> yeah, right. right. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and we struggle to do that if we are so insecure and inauthentic mm -hmm. that we can't, we can't actually see people as people. Right. Um, and so, I, but that's, I mean, it's incredible to me and his articulation of it is mind boggling. It's so good. Yeah. yeah. And so we'll come back to Luke um, in, in the last section of the episode where we have them all um, give some advice about what, what, how, you know, you can be a good neighbor and do neighboring when you are in the LGBTQ community. But I want to introduce you to Jan, Jan Madlock. And so Jan is, in a kind of neighboring suburb of Luke's, actually. They go to the same church, which is how we met them. Okay. Um, and Jan is, um, uh, she lives in a gated lake community. Okay. Right. That sounds really nice. I <laughs> mean, it's, it's, yeah. Uh, and she, she did say, like, it sounds a little more, like, ritzy than it really feels i think like okay. it is little there's a little like socioeconomic diversity at least within it but mm. she is the only black person in the whole neighborhood mm. and okay. she's married to a white woman um and they have adopted children who are also people of color so they kind of joke that they are the diversity in their neighborhood <laughs> yeah. um, and so jan jan go, they move into this they've lived there for 20 years and they move into the community and like she just takes this like very surprising approach. Hmm. I mean, not, I mean, to remind you like, so they moved in 20 years ago. So yeah. the needle on like acceptance of biracial gay lesbian couple has mm -hmm. moved mm -hmm. like social norms around that have moved. Yeah. And yeah. so this is Jan's approach to uh, moving into that neighborhood. Yeah. So I'll tell you when we first moved in and it's been almost 20 years now that we've been living there, but when we wow. first moved in, we were a little nervous, me more so than my, than my wife. Um, she's white, but when we moved there, it was very obvious there weren't any other black people in the neighborhood. And we had no idea in terms of like same sex couples. So um, she did the initial interview she did. Cause there's also a, um, you have to sit in front of a panel and answer questions because you have to join the lake so it's, it, it, <laughs> it seems a little um exclusive or, or in yeah exclusive yeah. yeah um so she did all of that part of it and then we moved in together um so <laughs> uh, but it was really then? like did she say like hey i'm like with a black woman like was she i don't know that that came out in the interview <laughs> 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, once we, once we moved in though, um, I even told her <laughs> like, now that we're here, like we need to get out in the day, we need to get out in the community. We need to get to know people because I didn't want them wondering about the two women living on the Hill. Like what's their deal. Um, so uh -huh. we got involved immediately, uh, met our neighbors, um, to, to the South of us. And then, um, there are always community things going on. Like we volunteered to help paint benches on the walk and our neighborhood's pretty awesome because there's a Friday night gathering. Every Friday night, there's a happy hour in our clubhouse. And we're like, we have to go. We have to get to know people so that there isn't this mystique about who we are. And we're just neighbors in the community. And it worked out for us really well. We've not experienced any. We were actually quite shocked that we haven't experienced any kind of um, negativity or, or anything towards us. I, I was thrilled when the first kid knocked on our door to sell us something within, within two weeks of moving there. Um, a neighbor kid came and knocked and said, Hey, would you like to buy this coupon book? And for us, that was, um, pretty, pretty awesome. So, yeah. 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 So is it, I mean, I'm curious, like not, I don't, I think a lot of people when they experience like fear or like like some anxiety around joining a new community, their tendency is to hold back. And it sounds like you did the opposite. Yeah, I felt like we, we really need it. We need it to do that in order to just seem as, as typical as possible. I just felt like we got to just get out there. So people aren't wondering or, you know, coming up with their own ideas about who we were. So we're just going to get out there and, <laughs> be neighbors like like the other couples around and eventually I mean we moved there to raise a family and um, we adopted kids so eventually we just wanted to be a part of the community because we knew that our kids would eventually our hope was that our children would eventually be a part of the community too yeah and is that like do you think that's like just a part of who you are and as a person or is that like a lesson that you've learned throughout your life to engage as a way of overcoming some of those like the suspicion that comes when people don't know each other yeah, I, I think a lot of that has to do with being African-American and living in a predominantly white world. I do. Um, and so I think it's more that that when I'm, you know, I have to meet people and, and immediately feel like I've got to make them comfortable around me. That that was part of it, too. I mean, when you're African-American, you when you're a minority, you don't want those questions. And then you throw on the fact that, you know, we're two lesbians. That was a whole other piece of it. So but I think that's a learned trait for me. Mm -hmm. um, and that I'm not super, I'm not super comfortable, like stepping out and talking to people. But I think that that was important, especially knowing that we were moving into a fairly tight knit community where people socialize a lot and they know each other. Um, we needed to get out there as soon as possible. All right. Yeah. So Jan's a badass. <laughs> What a crazy <laughs> response to that. Yeah. You know, yeah. like she just like was like, yeah, we got to go meet all these people. And I mean, I just admire so much. Like she even named like that's probably not natural to who she is, but that mm -hmm. she's she's figured out like when people know each other, they trust each other more regardless of and almost in the face of the expected stereotypes around the things that we always wrestle with around race and, and gender mm -hmm. and all those mm -hmm. kind of things. So mm -hmm. it just, it's so impressive that they, that she was willing and able to do that. And then she said over and over again in that interview, she had such a great experience in that neighborhood mm -hmm. and people know her and it's her, it's, 
it's it's not just a place she lives like it is her neighborhood it is her home yeah. so it's it's just great to hear that side of her story yeah yeah i th- i think what it's what strikes me in what she shared is how um by being proactive she was not leaving space open for people to make up a story right and and so for me as as a as a white you know heterosexual man right thinking about again checking always checking where am i making up the story to fill in gaps that i don't know mm-hmm. if i have a neighbor who's not mm-hmm. uh being immediately engaged to use jan's phrase then i have to be careful that i don't be like oh okay so probably this or that right yeah. and i fill in the gaps like that's not fair <laughs> I, I shouldn't do that right um, and why is it that whenever we do that they're all we make up the like scariest version of the story <laughs> you know yeah yeah we're like we don't like they're obviously terrible people we should there's right. something weird and sketchy going on like no, right that's not what's happening at all no um no. so yeah it just and and again it i just keep going back to because i really felt this as i did these interviews like the extra work that we put on these people mm-hmm. constant mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. constant that, yeah. that she has to go and like immediately go out and put herself out in that way um like it we in both kind of on the the intersection of being black and being gay mm-hmm. you know forcing that hand even more so 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 jan's um story then leads well into Alejandro's story. Mm. So Alejandro is actually one of our Kansas animators. Uh, and so we have a, a training experience for, for people in the state of Kansas called the Kansas Animator Network. And it's a cohort learning group. And so Alejandro is part of our Southwest Kansas cohort. And we've been asking him to neighbor. And Mm. he, on one of our calls recently, was like, yeah, I don't really feel safe with all of that. (laughs) And I was like, that's fair, Alejandro. Uh, uh Um, He lives in Dodge City, Kansas, which is a small town in western Kansas. Like, we're talking pretty rural here. Mm -hmm. But we want to push against what some people may think of as rural. This is a very diverse community. Um, Alejandro is Latino. Many of the people in his neighborhood are also Latino. He's... So he's trying to connect with them based on those two worlds as well as a Latino person and a gay person. He grew up, he's living, he's, he's a college student. So he's actually just home for the summer right now. He grew up in this neighborhood. So the people, his neighbors knew him as a little kid, Hmm. but they don't really know him as a gay man. And Hmm. so there's this weird, you know, vibe of like coming home trying to like reintroduce himself in some ways to his neighbors who don't necessarily know that part of his story yet. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he, he kind of is telling about what it's like for him to, to go out and try to neighbor again. Um, first things that came through my mind are like, okay, how am I going to dress? Um, am I going to dress like myself or am I going to be more straight? Um, yeah. Cause I, I really like expressing myself through like my clothing and like, that's a huge part of who I am. Um, and I like sharing that with other people, but you know, it's my neighborhood. I have to interact with these people. 
um mm-hmm. like especially part of this cohort i have to interact with them pretty intimately i guess uh, eventually um so it's like okay that part um am i even going to approach this this fam- this one like old couple that like that i like i know is kind of like evangelical um do, do i even do i even want to deal with that um Mm-hmm. Or am I going to get hurt or is my family going to get targeted? You know, stuff like that. And it's like, I know that I'm not going to get hurt physically, but like I've dealt with enough rejection in my life that I don't, I don't necessarily want to be rejected on the basis of something that is so like such a core part of who I am and like who I, you know, who I love and who I will be with. is like, like very, very near and dear to me. And like, if I can avoid that, that kind of interaction then I will um but it's like but I also really want to interact with my with my neighbors in a cultural context as like Latinos here but like it's it's just a lot of stuff to weigh um and and sitting at that intersection makes it just that much more difficult When was the last time you thought about what you're wearing when you went to interact with your neighbors? <laughs> I mean, have you seen me dress? I clearly have never thought about where I'm wearing ever. Um, and not to make light of no, Alejandro's absolutely. dilemma. I mean, I mean uh, yeah, yeah, it's and I mean, Alejandro is a sharp dresser. Like mm-hmm. even on that call, he showed up and he was like, just so you know, I've got my he's had this like this shirt that he had custom like added these like frills to the sleeve. Like he was Mm. looking good, you know? Yeah. And like, it, it breaks my heart to imagine him trying to dress straighter. Yeah. Like, I don't want him to do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I want Mm -hmm. him to be him. Yeah. 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 And I think, I mean, I, I, there's, I don't know that there's very much that I could say other than just, I'm, appreciative of his wisdom in like acknowledging all the different streets that are coming to this intersection mm-hmm. um and you know yeah like I, I mean yeah i mean and he really did and there's there's more of this in the longer interview with him he was he is really wrestling with like the the latino culture and connection that he has in dodge city where there is a big like that's a big part of living there mm. um and then also coming in as, you know, a queer person now and, yeah. and into that space where he wants to like, he wants to organize in that space. He wants to be a part of that community for a long, the long term. Mm. Um, but he's still wrestling with what that looks like. It actually really surprised me because uh, he lives in Dodge City for the summer. He's going to college in Lawrence, Kansas, which okay. do you I mean being in Kansas Matt, now you've lived here a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, give our listeners your your like very stereotypical answer of the difference between Dodge City and Lawrence. 
Uh, well, I want to word this really carefully because it, it's not no, to no, push take the away stereotype. from Dodge. Yeah, Put, I mean, push the, the stereotype, yeah, you know? Well, but this, the stereotype is like Lawrence is the progressive pinnacle oh, right? of Kansas. The, it, it is pit liberal elites yes, live yes. in Lawrence, uh-huh, uh-huh, where uh, Kansas uh, University is, right? Yeah, yeah. And then Dodge City is like that honky town out west. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so, right. like, like, so my assumption... I mean, that's again, that's stereotypes. Yeah. So my assumption was like, man, like, don't you want to live in Lawrence, Alejandro? Mm. Like, don't you feel like you'd fit in better there? And I we hear this a lot where people the grass is always greener on the in the other neighborhood. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. If I just lived in a different neighborhood, then I would be a better neighbor or then my neighbors would be better to me. Hmm. And so I I kind of asked this question to him and he again you know, I got my stereotypes pushed <laughs> back on and was like, oh, I didn't really know what was going on there. So here's here's his response to that. Um, yeah, so I, I love both both towns um, for their own reasons. Um, but like when they say Lawrence is the most progressive i mean they're not wrong politically they i mean yeah but like it's still majority white they still uh, like people of color there like black and brown folks still deal with the prejudices that they would out here it's just people people in the more rural parts are more upfront about it um they're not they're not gonna skirt around the issue they're like okay yeah this is how we feel but like and like you know what their biases are um but over in Lawrence it's more of the implicit bias stuff and it's like like it's also it's even more exhausting I think than being out here because I I know who to avoid out here um I over there it's like okay you think you're with allies but you know they they still look down on you um even if they don't realize that that's what their language and their actions are conveying it's it's pretty it's pretty, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to be there. Um, and it's kind of relaxing to just come back out here. You're like, okay, I, I know what I'm getting. Um, yeah. But the dynamic between the towns, I mean, yeah, people out here kind of look at Lawrence with like, eh. like, yeah, they're, they're snobs or like they're, right. they're know-it-alls or stuff like that. Uh, I think they know better. And it's kind of like when I, when I'm actually there, it's like, yeah, they kind of look down on people from Western Kansas and, and all that as kind of just like Hicks or like all that, or they don't think that people like, like Latinos and black people exist out here. Right. You know, we do. Um, So it's that, that whole thing. We do. (laughs) Yeah. Turns out we do. Just blows. I mean, just, I just love this episode because I feel like we get a push against all these things. People were like, "Well, this is must how it be." Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Actually. Guess, guess again. Yeah. Yeah. And I also love like his. I just when he said like I just I'm able to relax when I come back home. Mm-hmm. And home is a, a term that like people have to define for themselves and like make that space where they're going to make it and. 
what feels right to you is not maybe what external like perceptions are always going to um, to guess or think is correct. And so owning owning your space and and being good in that space is I think what I'm taking away from Alejandro's mm. story there. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and I I think there's for me the takeaway there is like what's the implicit bias? Yeah. Like kind of paying attention for that. I think that's you know if I want to be an ally, yeah, I got to dig into where my implicit biases are. Absolutely. And, you know, as we kind of transition here, like that's where I think we can give advice is mm. to allies. Mm-hmm. Because with with all these stories, the allies were the people in the community who went out of their way to make sure people felt welcome, who who like, you know, made made room for that but then also advocated for it in their neighborhood so that it was like what other neighbors expected as well mm-hmm. like that's where we as allies really do need to step in and make that happen yeah but we also like really shouldn't be giving advice to like <laughs> queer people and like people of color like I mean, I don't know, Matt. You got any advice you want to give them? Because <laughs> no, I don't I, think that's a good idea for us. <laughs> no, I mean, I hope it's clear that I'm not. I'm not even tempted to do that. I, I mean, you know, just just to be really clear. It's yeah, like, I'm right. Not, I'm not sitting here thinking like, oh, you know what? I think I'll call Jan and tell. No, no, not. No, no, don't do that. So, so I kind of like took that to the three guests that we had to Luke, Jan and Alejandro and said like, I can't give advice. And I often honestly feel uncomfortable when I'm out peddling our neighboring stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's a, there's a community that I clearly don't like, ha- like represent or, or understand their story in the same way. I, I don't always know exactly how to say it without like honoring that space and you hear in all these interviews, there is this constant wrestling with, yes, go do it, connect, and also find a way to be safe. Mm-hmm. And so with all of them, there is that that struggle. And so I just ask all three of the guests to end the interview by giving advice to people who may be listening, who are in the LGBTQ community um, and who want to neighbor and like, what, what would you recommend for them? And so for, we're going to play all three of them just back to back and Matt and I are just going to shut up and listen, um, and, and let you hear from our, our guest about what, what good neighboring looks like for them. I may not have the best advice, to be honest. I have remained mindful when I've told this story previously that to, to say that I would never encourage someone to seek out or stay in a relationship that is potentially harmful to them or is harmful to them. So and I don't want to speak for my neighbors when they say he is an awful guy. Maybe he truly did do something awful to them. And I don't want right. to discount that experience. I really believe in like kill them with kindness as mm-hmm. sort of a, a mantra um, when it comes to people disagreeing with me, I also have a, I have a personal orientation toward like winning others over. And so I want to show them the parts of me that are similar to them. 
you know, I don't know, I guess maybe my advice would be just, you know, you got to give it a try and it may not go well the first time, but, you know, just maybe keep trying different neighbors. Um, you know, maybe it's not the people right next door. Maybe it's the people across the street. Um, I, I think things are getting better. They're not perfect, but I think things are getting better. And we were just super fortunate in where we, where we landed. Um, yeah. Our community in general has just been really good. So I think it was helpful. We did have, um, like I said, we, I had a good friend, her aunt and uncle lived in our neighborhood and they were established and people knew them. And so that I think helped me feel more comfortable, definitely going, all right, we're going to go meet them. And at the happy, you know, so that was helpful having them already established. I mean, just in, especially in a small rural town, uh, acceptance is sometimes really hard to come by, um, but it's out there and neighboring kind of helps you figure out like, okay, maybe I'm not so alone out here. Maybe like my fear of being rejected isn't founded. Like there are more people who are supportive than, than I thought. Um, and that's what neighboring does. Um, and it helps you work with them. And like, even if they aren't so open to that or not as open to that as you'd like, um, then like, then hopefully through your interactions, if you feel safe doing so, obviously, if you feel safe um, through your interactions and through cooperating and neighboring, you'll open up their mind to, to like your sexuality and to who, your, who you love and to all of those things. Cause it's important to feel accepted in your own community. And sometimes we got to take it into our own hands. Special thanks this week to our fabulous guest who shared from this place of vulnerability and courage. We are so grateful for Luke Miltz, Jan Madlock, and Alejandro Rangel Lopez. We had to cut a bunch of stuff from their interviews because they were just, they were too long to all fit in the episode. So check out our website. We're going to put the unedited interviews up and you can listen to each of them in full length. Also, shout out to Laura Andrews, who inspired this episode and connected us with Luke and Jan. Uh, she's also inspired so many people to neighbor and is one of our best supporters. So thanks to Laura. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Laura's incredible. Uh, you know, and I like hearing your interviews with them today. I like I want to thank I'm just picturing the many, many queer folks who have been a part of my life mm -hmm. and how indebted I am to them for their courage, their vulnerability, their wisdom. So, so good. They know who they are, but I just want to say thanks to um, those individuals who've been a part of my journey. Love you guys. Um, yeah, well, this is the end of this episode. So mm -hmm. uh, thanks for joining us here uh, on the front porch and for being a part of this conversation. We hope it's been helpful to you. Um, if you wanna learn more about our work, you can visit our brand new website, neighboringmovement.org and see everything that's going on there. And um, I wanna give thanks to uh, Jenna Moody who does our editing and special thanks to Christopher uh, because he's the one who did this special project and got all this pulled together in spite of Adam's recording techniques. So, uh, yeah, I'm just going to name that. It's, uh, <laughs> it's all going to be fine. <laughs> all right. So uh, until next time, 
Happy neighboring. Happy neighboring and happy pride. Thank you.